Hello, my name is Alexandra Ducroiset. I'm a junior doctor from London, currently doing a master's at King's College and working with the tandem team at the Evelina in St. Thomas's Hospital. The tandem team runs a pediatric movement disorder service which specializes in tics. They have seen a vast increase in the number of patients diagnosed with functional tics, particularly since the pandemic. Currently, there are few studies looking at the prognosis of adolescents with functional tics, also known as functional tic-like behavior, and the few published studies show variable outcomes. We therefore decided recently to look at the prognosis of adolescents with functional tic-like behavior. We interviewed 43 parents or carers of adolescents with functional tics and administered a structured questionnaire and a clinical interview. Our primary outcome was a change in the Children's Global Assessment Scale, also known as CGAS. CGAS is a scale used clinically as a measure of function and well-being. In order to obtain a change in CGAS scores, we asked the clinicians who had initially seen the adolescents at diagnosis to score them retrospectively, and different clinicians carried out the follow-up CGAS score. We also assessed the progression of the tick symptoms as well as school attendance and the impact on the parents' employment. All 43 adolescents were biologically female, with 95% identifying as females. Ages ranged from 6 to 16 years old, with a mean age of 12.4 years old. There was a heavy burden of co-occurring conditions. 88.4% of adolescents had another diagnosis, and 69.8% had a diagnosed anxiety disorder. The time to follow-up varied from one to four years, with the majority being followed up between two to three years after symptom onset. The average time from symptom onset to diagnosis was 1.2 years, with a standard deviation of 0.8 years. For 14% of our cohort, so six adolescents, symptoms had resolved at follow-up. Four of them had engaged in psychological therapy, behavioural interventions or psychoeducation. They were all attending full-time school. There was a heavy burden of co-occurring anxiety disorders, with three out of six adolescents having a diagnosis, but none took medications for tics, functional disorders or any other psychiatric disorders. The rest of the cohort represented 37 adolescents. In terms of frequency of functional tics, 62% had improvement, 14% had no change in tick frequency, and 24% had more frequent ticks. 59% reported improvements in terms of severity, 19% reported no change in symptom severity, and 22% described more severe ticks. So overall, the majority seemed to improve in terms of both tick severity and frequency, but there remains a significant proportion of our cohort with ongoing or even worsened symptoms one to four years after symptom onset. We also note that 62% reported that the peak of their symptoms was before diagnosis. In terms of function, we looked, as I mentioned, at CGAS scores at diagnosis retrospectively and at follow-up. The mean CGAS score at diagnosis was 51.09. Scores between 51 and 60 correspond to a child with some noticeable problems in more than one area, so school, at home, with friends. The standard deviation was 6.5, so that the majority of adolescents scored around this number. At follow-up, 
the mean CGAS score was 57.09. This remains in the range of a child with noticeable problems, but the standard deviation for this cohort was 16.9, which shows that there is a much larger range of scores at follow-up. Encouragingly, 23.3% were either doing alright, doing well, or doing very well. Sadly, 4.7% now reported severe problems, which was not the case at diagnosis. Overall, at follow-up, participants' CGAS scores improved by 6 points. This was statistically significant when tested with a paired t-test using two-sided p-value. It is worth noting that for our six adolescents who fully recovered in terms of tick symptoms, the average CGAS score at diagnosis was 54.5 compared to 73.8 at follow-up. Other statistics which reveal the general quality of life of these children are that 48.8% miss at least some school, but 30.2% have less than 50% school attendance. This may not be because of functional ticks alone, but it seems to suggest that these adolescents can struggle generally. Similarly, 23% have a parent who has had to stop working to care for their child's health. The limitations for our study include firstly that our service is not a functional disorder service, so that we are quite limited in our support for patients. We do provide psychoeducation sessions, but otherwise have to refer on to other services. This might affect the results observed. Additionally, by design, our study may be susceptible to many different biases, be it response, observer or recall bias. So what can be taken from this study? Overall, the majority of our cohort's stick symptom improved, but actually full resolution within four years was only seen in 14% of our cohort. Additionally, although functional symptoms improved in many, functioning remained impaired for 76.7% of adolescents and 48.8% had difficulty with school attendance. With further analysis of our data, we hope to see whether certain management approaches had an impact on prognosis or whether time to diagnosis had an impact on prognosis. The emergence of new or different functional symptoms prospectively is also a further consideration that we will be exploring. Thank you very much for listening and please approach us if you have any questions.